You know, I really love the Word of God, and I think the Word of God can change your life. What you're about to hear today is one of those life-changing messages that I believe inspires people. It's down-home, what I call down-home grits, and helpful. So enjoy today's message, and watch it change your life. Repeat with me, please. Say, deciding to be tenacious under fire. There are two words I want you to think about. The word decisions the word tenacious. You decide, you determine in your life a lot of things, more than God does. He gives you the option and you decide yes or no. I set before you this day a blessing, he said, or a curse. You choose. You make a decision about how healthy you're going to be or how unhealthy you're going to be. And a lot of times you make that decision at every meal. You make that decision when you decide, when you say, I'm not working out this week. That's a decision. It's all about you having in your mind a picture of what you want to be and how, how tenacious you're going to be about that dream or vision. The word tenacious means to hold fast and it means to be determined. Are you a determined person? Holding fast to your convictions. Are you easily moved? Pushed around? Our church, our families, our communities have to become tenacious about certain things. Sit down, talk it through, but when we finish talking, we have to make a decision. Jeremiah is our our case study today, and in this guy's life, he shows us what we learned from Moses and what we learned from Noah in the last two sermons. We saw three guys who were on fire, two guys, rather, that were on fire. They had a clear vision about what they want, and they stayed with it. Noah stayed with the ark for 120 years, stayed the course, allowed himself no room for change. It's a tremendous story about tenacity. Moses, the same way, tenaciously fought past his fears, had a few hang-ups he never got over, but overall was a tenacious guy who led three million people, right at three million people to freedom. Tenacious people make a difference. And today we'll look at one more guy. His name is Jeremiah. There's a statement he made in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 9, that kind of sets the stage. It's a famous verse. Here's what it says. Then I said, I will not make mention of him, referring to God, nor speak anymore in his name. He came to a point in his life where he was frustrated. And it was a moment of, just surrender. I'm done with preaching. I'm done with prophesying. I'm finished telling Israel what what God said is going to happen to them. And so watch what he says in verse verse, um, verse 9. But his word, read this with me please, come on. But his what? Was where? In my heart like a what? Burning fire. Shut up in my where? Bones. He said his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. Like fire shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. One professor I had said it this way. He said, Jeremiah said he was going to quit, but all of a sudden, there it would go. This would come out. He couldn't help himself. Thus saith the Lord. He'd prophesied before he knew it. Before he knew it, he couldn't just stop himself. That, my friend, is tenacity. Are you good under fire? Are you good when it's hard? It's one thing to talk when it's easy. It's another thing to talk when it's hard. It's not, it's not 
Easy now, can you press forward? How much can you take is the question. How much can God put on your plate? Do you quit and give up because it's difficult? I love this thought. How much more abuse can I take? How much more can God allow me to go through? This guy went through a lot. How many times have you said something to God and you didn't finish? How many times have you said, God, I'm going to, and then you just didn't stay? How much time have you invested? And here's another question. How much money have you spent? Can you accept that some people will never change? They've decided not to change. Can you embrace that reality? Are you tenacious enough to accept the fact that this person cannot work in your company anymore and you're going to resolve this problem today? Because it's obvious. This is not working out. For you are for them. Are you able to engage the truth? Jeremiah is the kind of guy who can. He proved it. He tried to quit, but he couldn't. He said his word was like fire in my bones. I couldn't quit. I couldn't surrender. And I love the fact that Jeremiah shows me something that I need to learn from. So I want you to think about Jeremiah's story for a minute and ask this question. Can you relate to his story? Are you the kind of person facing challenges in your life right now and you're tempted to quit and surrender? Now, Jeremiah's story is amazing because it starts off with abuse. He's an abused guy. As a matter of fact, this is a sidebar note. Jeremiah, we know more about his life almost than anybody in the Bible. There are more details, very specific details, his friends, where he lived. Uh, he chose to be single, why he was single. All that's, he talks about it all. It's a very fun, phenomenal book to read slow. The first several chapters, the first 19 chapters are painful. They're very painful because this, this sets up the message. These first 19 chapters talk about the message he had for Israel, and it was brutal. Let me show you how the response to it. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 1. Um, <clears throat> now, Pashur, excuse me, the son of Immer, the priest, who was the chief governor in the house of the Lord, heard that Jeremiah prophesied these things. Pause there for a second. This guy heard about the prophecies that Jeremiah was giving, and here's what he did. Pashur struck Jeremiah the prophet. He came and hit him. Now, here, why did he come and strike him? And I'll talk more about that in a minute, but this is... This is because of what he said in the first 19 chapters. Now, now you want to read it on your own, just kind of sit there with the Bible app and just listen to the whole thing. It is phenomenal. He, if, the, the bottom line is, he talked about everybody. Their mamas, their cousins, everybody. He talked about everybody. He told everybody they're going to hell. He said, he said everything. He talked about their money. He talked about being, he talked about his own family. He said, my own family betrayed me. He, I mean, he lays them low. And he says, you guys are going to be put in slavery. You're going to lose everything. And he is brutal. And so when Peshur heard this guy was prophesying all these things, the head of the church, the chief priest came and he smote him. Pow! And then, my friend, it was on. As a matter of fact, the Bible knowledge commentary I put in your notes says that it was more than just a smack, that he really probably gave him 40 lashes. Deuteronomy chapter 25 talks about what, how they punish people. It said he smote him, but they probably gave him 40 lashes, which means they stretched him out and he got 40 whacks. I mean, this is really bad, but this is Jeremiah's life. And he's doing God's will. Have you ever done God's will and felt frustrated and felt like I did the right thing, but look at what happened to me? I mean, I did exactly what I was supposed to do. 
It's in those moments that you decide to be tenacious or not. You decide to be determined and hold on to your dream or quit. You decide, not me, it's your life. Get this right. This is your life. One more time. Whose life is this? You didn't say it loud enough. Come on, whose life is this? It's your life. It's your life, your education, your finances, your future. Where you will live or not live, what you can have or not have. It's not about me, it's about you. Get that straight, students, kids, young people, married folks, your marriage, not mine, not mine, your life, your health, not mine, your hospital bed, not mine. I want you to figure it out. This is about you. The sermon is all about you. Be selfish for a minute and pay attention, for real. This is about your life. And when you understand that, you can focus a little better. And there's this moment where Jeremiah says, listen, I'm, I'm not quitting. And so Peshur slaps him. And so what's amazing is in chapter 20, verse 3, it happened on the next day after they beat Jeremiah, you'd think he'd be quiet. Sometime after one whipping, you kind of got nothing else to say. Well, watch what happens. Not this guy. Chapter 20, verse 3, it happened on the next day. What, what day was it, folks? The next day that Peshur brought Jeremiah out of the stocks. Then Jeremiah said to him, well, <clears throat> the Lord has called your name Peshur which basically means Magar Mashiba, which is a fancy way of saying terror on every side. Your name is going to be changed now to terror on every side, dude. Not for sure. Your name is going to be, you're going to be renamed. Okay, so the guy who had you whipped and beat, uh, now you're going to rename him. Really? Really? You're going to, you, you, whatever this is, you're going to call him um, this incredible new name. And he goes on in verse 4 and says this, For thus says the Lord, Behold, I will make you a terror to yourself and to all your friends. And they shall fall by the sword of their enemies, and your eyes shall see it. And I will give all Judah into the hand of, of the king of Babylon, and he shall carry them captive to Babylon and slay them with the sword. That is pretty amazing. He says, you know what? You're going to lose everything. Then he talks about not only are you going to lose everything, he said the city's going to lose everything. Verse 5, moreover, I will deliver all the wealth of the city, all his produce, and his precious things, all the treasures of the kings of Judah, um, I will give into the hand of their enemies who will plunder them, seize them, and carry them to Babylon. Then stop there. He talks about, now I'm not your friends. So I think he talked to everybody. You, your mama, your daddy, and your friends. <laughs> After he was beat, he didn't back up. Look at verse, verse uh, 6. He said, and you for sure specifically, and all who dwell in your house, that's your babies, your, everybody in your house, shall go into captivity. You shall go to Babylon, and there you shall die and be buried, you and all your friends to whom you have prophesied lies. Strong. That'll get you into a fight. Now, here's what's interesting about this. I don't think we get that. I don't think we really kind of picture what he's saying. But just imagine it this way. Okay. <laughs> imagine if this were you. And the prophecy was directed at you. Here's what it would look like, okay? You're going to lose everything. I'm going to take your house, your car, your clothes, and what you're wearing. I'm going I'm to rename you, and I'm going to move you all the way to mm, someplace far. And then I'm going to take your wife, and I'm going to give her to another man. I'm going to give your children away, your daughters away. I'm going to tell you who you're going to marry. I'm going to take your Nintendo. I'm going to take everything you own. All of your money in your accounts, I'm going to drain it out. It now belongs to me. Everything you have. 
will belong to me. That's what he was saying. Now, Americans have never experienced that. Not as a country. Not since we've been formed. But other countries have. You, you, you see it on the news and you just think, oh, they're just refugees. No, they lost everything. Oh, they're just immigrants. You don't get it. You don't get it. Because here's what's probably true. You don't know any. It's a news report to you. And here's, here's another thing. You don't plan on going because you want to be safe. You have a lot of opinions, but you're not going. You're not going to Nicaragua. You're not going to Guatemala. You're not going anywhere. You're not going to even go close. That's not your vacation. Is that your vacation plans? Did you plan to go? No, you're not. It's amazing how close something can be to you and that's so far. You have zero understanding. And here's the danger of being an American truth. And who doesn't travel? You don't know. Not firsthand. You have an opinion, but you don't know. I love what some of my international friends say. You're the only people who watch the news about yourself. <laughs> you spend hours looking at you over and over again. You, sometimes you have no concept. And then what's really, and this is to me a sign of supreme ignorance. Supreme is, and I used to think sometimes this way a little bit. I was them friends, right? And they started speaking Spanish, right? And I got a little bit like, you know, well, you know dudes, I'm at the table. And then you go into blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, hey, 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 what you saying? You ugly or what? 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 <laughs> no. No. If you've never spoken another language, there's certain concepts that are hard to communicate across languages. And because you only speak one language, you don't understand that challenge. So when a person's talking, they say, how do you say? How do you say? How do you say? When I preach internationally, I'm using translators all the time. One of the smart things I do is I sit with the translator before I teach. Because when you're teaching, you don't want to say things because the concepts are different. For example, you ready? Buckle up. Ready? If you're talking Portuguese and you get up and you say these words, I am excited about being here today. And the translator looks at you and says, you don't want to say that. Translate it the way it sounds to them. I am sexually aroused to be here today. That's what it sounds like to them. That's not the word you use. I'm sorry if that bothers you, but that's what it translates evenly. If you translate it evenly, he'll say, no, you don't mean that. You mean you're happy, right? Right, okay, I'm not happy. He'll fix it. They try to, and then what's amazing, the people in the audience who know English and Portuguese laugh. And they go, he's having trouble. <laughs> he's saying the wrong words. And so you try to talk it through and you try to make sure you're clear. Now, here's my point. When I see somebody trying to talk English, trying to communicate, I have sympathy for them. I care. I get it. I have been in a place where I didn't speak the language and I had to fish my way through. Couldn't even order a sandwich. I, I, I mean, I, I just couldn't. I, 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 could, I, I couldn't imagine. The other side until I was on the other side that's the point I'm making Amen. and here's what I think is true when you read this text you don't get it unless you know somebody or you have really opened your heart to losing everything today no no not tomorrow today 
When somebody takes your little girl and says she's now marrying that dude and you're never going to see her again and there's zero you can do or die, nothing. See, you think call 911. You think go across that fence over there on the other side of our church where there's all those special forces guys. You know, we, we're by a military base if you're not watching us. You know, we're, we're right, right by our home. They're special dudes that can really fight. Some of them in here right now. But they're, they, and they got big guns. Somebody tries to invade us, they're going to come ready to fight for real. And they're pretty, they're pretty fierce. People fear them. It's not like that everywhere. You take that for granted. You, 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 can, you can miss the point. So here they are losing everything. It's amazing. Jeremiah says, guys, that's because of your sin. Now, this is painful, and it became difficult for him. But he had to say it because he was trying to help them. <laughs> can you say what you need to say when it's not easy? There are four things about this guy that impressed me, ready? Four things. Four things that I like about this guy that really make me go, wow. Number one, first of all, I'm impressed with his passion. I'm impressed with Jeremiah's passion. They say, historically, that he died by stoning. He's one of the guys that Hebrews chapter 11, verses 36, talked about through 37, right? He said that some were stoned. He was one of those guys, they say. Kept prophesying till they killed him. I, I, mean, I admire his passion. For some of us, it doesn't take but a threat and we stop. A warning. We don't want to do anything risky. I'm not saying you should be reckless. I'm just saying I, I'm impressed with his passion. Number two, I'm impressed with, with and, in, and, and for me, in the whole sermon, this is one of the most important things that I, I've come to understand. I'm impressed with his acceptance that some things will never change in some people's lives. If you read chapter 21 of Jeremiah, here's what you hear. The king comes to Jeremiah and says, hey, can we talk? Can we kind of like, okay, have a little conversation, please? Uh, and maybe you can talk to God. He can kind of give us an opportunity to not be taken away in captivity. It's a real moment. You know, you go, oh, well, let's go pray about it. And Jeremiah has already talked to God. Jeremiah knows they're not going to change. Jeremiah, listen to me carefully now. Jeremiah knows they're not going to change. He knows this is just a moment, a moment. You know, people have moments. And so Jeremiah says to him, these words basically which is pretty painful he says these words he says listen uh no it shall be given your land shall be given in the hand of the king of babylon and he shall burn it with fire i'm sorry no the window's closed i had a moment the other day where i had this i think it was a revelation and it and, and, and it came to me this way when you're trying to save someone who's drowning you need to know two things Number one, do they want to be saved? That, that's important. When you swim out to get them, the question is, do this, does this person want to be saved? If they don't want to be saved, you're either going to drown you too. Here's the second thing you need to know. Are they swimming away from you? If you're swimming away and I'm chasing you, I'm going further out in the deep myself, putting myself at risk. If you don't want to be saved, why are we talking? If you're swimming away from the advice I'm giving, if you're not hearing what I'm saying, why are we repeating this over and over again? And here's what's hard about that when it's your kids. Oh, God. Man. But Jeremiah came to the conclusion, 
This boy's not changing. This king's not changing. This is not going anywhere. They're not gonna, listen, so why, why would I go to God again? God's already said it. No, they're going to, here's, here's the deal. They're going to take everything you have. And I'm glad, oh, God. One of the hardest things about success is watching other people fail. You have money because you saved. They did not. One of my favorite verses in the world, Matthew 25, five wise virgins, five foolish virgins. And the five that were wise said to the foolish, when the foolish came to them and asked to borrow some oil, they were all waiting to go into a wedding. And they all knew the wedding was going to come at any moment. They all knew that it was important to prepare, but they chose not to prepare. And so when the five foolish virgins ran out, they came on the 25th of the month and asked to borrow some oil because payday was the 30th. I'm making it up. You got it, right? <laughs> and every 25th of the month, they come. Every week, every month, it's always the same with the same story. And as if it's my responsibility, I'm not saying you don't help people. I get it. I'm a generous guy, but you got to get my point. At some point, at some point, it is your life. And the wise virgins in Matthew 25 said, no, least there not be enough oil for us. It is tragic. Let me tell you, this is one of the hardest things you'll ever learn. It's one of the hardest lessons you'll learn. So, Pastor Rick, where do you draw that line? I'm not telling you that. That's your decision. It's about decisions in this sermon, right? But it's about being honest. This is, a, this is an honest moment from Jeremiah the prophet saying, listen, people, at some point, you've got to decide. And you've got to be tenacious. Either you're the person who is in the middle of this drama of, of grief and loss and always in bondage, and you have to decide to get out of this forever, for real. Or you're the person who's sponsoring it, and you have to say, I can't keep sponsoring this. I can't keep sponsoring this. I have to be tenacious. I have, to be, I have to be determined. I can't let this, I, I can't. If, here's the deal. We drown together. And everybody around me drowns with me. Well, what about that, Pastor Rick? Can I say a preacher thing? Say it's okay, come on. Yeah. I am tenacious in my leadership here. I'm determined. I'm going to keep teaching you the principles of the word. Uh, and I got some sermons coming. You may not want to come in the fall. <laughs> I'm, I'm leaving September 1st. Don't come back after that. I have a whole series on, on sex. Don't come. Stay away. Don't come. Just watch online. <laughs> it's good. I'm going to talk about your relationships. I'm going to talk about your jobs. And I'm going to talk about how sometimes in life, you have to decide. This is where I stand on this issue. This is, how, this is where I stand when it comes to work. I have a fierce work ethic. You got to keep up with me. You're not going to catch me if you're lazy. I'm sorry. I am not the one. I am not, I am not leading a... I am not going to lead a church that's not going to strive to live holy. I'm not going to lead a church. Come on, talk to me. You with me, church? I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm tenacious. I'm, I'm telling you right now. I'm determined. I'm fierce. I'm committed to this thing. It's like fire shut up in my bones. I can't be quiet. It just keeps coming out. 
because I believe that God's blessing is tied to our ability to deal with those things, to challenge ourselves. We are out of control in some areas, and if we're not careful, that's what causes you to be judged by God. You miss opportunity, and it leaks down into every area of your ministry, your life, your family, everything you do. Can I get an amen, church? Amen. So you say, what month, what, that, that month again, Pastor Rick? Oh, it's coming. It's all about living on purpose. It's all about deciding. I'm on fire, and I'm determined to live this way, not that way. And to stop chasing people that don't want to be saved. To draw the line in your life. And here's what you do. Pray for them. See, God can save them, but I can't. God can help them, but I can't. God's the only one that can turn them around. I can't turn them around. Can you say amen to that? Come on, praise God. You you have to just say, I can't save them. You see your your big head son on the video. You know that's him. The police looking for him. You say, that's my son. I know his head anywhere. I told that boy he don't have to steal. I told that girl I, I laid it out for her. Why? You cannot live in this place of grief all your life. You cannot own everybody else's decisions. You cannot be responsible for what everybody will or will not do. You have to decide what you want. I want us to always have resources to do good. That's why I talk to you about giving. I try not to be too, you know, forceful, but I, I say what I need to say. Kind of, you need to get it. We need to get it. We need to be inspired to give, inspired to serve. We need to, do, we need to be able to point to what we're doing. <clears throat> All right, I got to get out of here. Some preachers talk too long, don't know when to stop. If you got that part, say amen. amen. I'm done, number one. Number one is passion. I'm impressed with Number two is acceptance of the things you can't change. Number three is patience. With religious leaders, you know, in chapter 20, <clears throat> chapter 20, chapter 37, the people who beat Jeremiah were always religiously, religious leaders. <laughs> religious people were, oh, God help us. <laughs> woo, woo. I was in a restaurant. I've told this before, but it's one of the best stories I've ever, I was in a restaurant, and the poor girl was just trying to get an order. Sir, what would you like to eat? He looked up at her and said, do you know Jesus? That's not on the menu. I'm sitting behind this person. I have a bigger church. I have more people. I wanted to get up because he, he, he was unrelenting. You know you need to know Christ or you're going to hell. Something like that. This is horrible. And I, I, I wanted to just say, you know, could you just tell her what you want to eat? She didn't ask you for some sermon every time I What is this? What do you do? I mean, there's this amazing thing that religious people get into where they forget to be people. Just go to your job and do your job. Stop staying over on your break time witnessing. You need to go back to work. I had to orient people when they come here. You know, hey, look, I'm glad you come and you work at a church, but, you know, I do want you to come on time and do your job. Amen. I pay you right. I treat you right. We got great benefits here. We do. I mean, hey, look, it's a great place to work. 401k, matching funds, blah, blah, blah. Say it, name it. We do all. We really got good health benefits. Yes, we do. Dental, and I'm adding stuff. We, uh, let me tell you something. I ain't gonna, I'm, I'm proud of what you do. Give yourselves a big hand. We pay people right. Come on. Amen. No, come on. We do. We do. Praise God. We do a good job. But here's the deal. 
You cannot and you will not be blessed if you are not focused and clear. You get distracted. Because you're a religious person, you don't treat people right. And, they, and, and his patience with the religious people was impressive to me. Are people putting up with you? I love Jesus with all my heart. But I don't want people to have to put up with me because I'm so saved, I'm so spiritual, that I'm not practical. For some of us, we need to back up the train just a little bit. Jeremiah is telling the truth, and the religious people are, 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 are harder to reach than anybody. Number four, I'm, I'm impressed with his deep concern about the condition of people. In the book of Lamentations, he, he gives, which is a book they ascribe to him, in the book of Lamentations, he talks about his concern. He talks about the nation of Israel. And here's what he says in chapter uh, 1, verse 2. She weeps bitterly in the night, describing the, the condition of the people. Her tears are out on her cheeks among all, all of her lovers. She has none to comfort her. All her friends deal treacherously with her. He looks at the nation. That's what he sees. They have become her enemies. Judah has gone into captivity. Under affliction and hard servitude. She dwells among the nations. That means she's homeless. She finds no rest. And all who persecute her, persecu- oh, I'm sorry, and all her persecutors overtake her. Man, this is horrible. He hates this. He cares. And you feel that. And then he makes this tremendous final statement in chapter 3, verse 22. And this is throughout his book. He says this Return, O backsliding children. Jeremiah 3 22. And I will heal your backsliding. Here's what I love about this. I love the fact that he closes with this thought. People mess up. People backslide. The word backslide means, sounds like you're sliding backwards. You know, you're really good, and then you're not doing good. You know, you're really tenacious, and then you're not. He gets it. He's not, listen to me carefully, get this. God never expected you to be perfect. You know why? He's all-knowing. He's omniscient. How could he ever... He knows what you're going to do. He can give you the dates and timetables. February of 2020, you're going to cut somebody out if you ain't careful. He can tell you. He can tell you. Give you, give you, give you a prophetic word. And he knows. He knows you, you're not going over to pray. You are not, you didn't, you are not going over to pray. He knows exactly, 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 exactly what you're going to do. But here's what he says. If you come back to me, if you, if you return, O Israel, says the Lord, return to me, and if you will put away your abominations out of my sight, then you shall be moved. He says, you know, you shall not be moved. I want you to, I care, and I want you to be okay. But you've got to decide what you want. I can't decide that for you. I will not decide that for you. And that's what I'm going to talk about next week. Deciding what you want. It's your decision. It's your moment in your life. You know, Matthew 20 is one of my favorite places in the Bible. If I were going to preach my last sermon before I die, it'd be this chapter. It's the, the, the message in Matthew 20 has so changed my life because here's what Jesus asked the disciples. They came to him and he said, there are two, more than two occasions, but two specific occasions I'm going to talk about next week. One, in Matthew 20, the disciples came and he said, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? Not me, not Pastor Rick, not your mama, not your daddy, you. As I close, I want you to think about this. 
What do you want? What do I want for my life? What is it that I desire for my life? What is it that I want God to do in my life? What is it that I desire for God to bring into my life? Join me in a prayer. Father, I pray for people today in Jesus' name to hear this message. Bring life, bring healing, bring strength, bring vitality. I ask you in Jesus' name to heal hearts and minds. Lift spirits. I pray, God, that the Holy Ghost would lift the minds of your people so that they would not be afraid to dream. I pray, God, that your spirit would bring healing to every mind and heart, both here and at home. Heal, deliver, strengthen, elevate faith. There's something really wrong, Lord God, when we think it's, our, it's your responsibility to do everything for us. No, you said we need to decide what we want. So how strong do we want to be? How devoted do we want to be? How big of a difference in the world do we want to make? Do we want to make a million dollars worth of difference? Do we want to make a big impact in our communities? Do we want to make a big impact in the lives of others? Do we want to really serve you with all of our hearts? Do we want to really live holy lives set apart for you? Or do we want to be bound, unfaithful, unreliable, untrustworthy? What do we want? Why don't you stand with me on your feet for a second? If you're here today with every head bowed and every eye closed, and you would say, Pastor, you are right. I need to make a decision for my life. I need to decide what I want. I need to decide to be tenacious. And it starts with me building a relationship with God. It doesn't start with me going home and fixing things. It starts with me talking to God and saying, okay, God, you and I need to reevaluate our relationship, reevaluate what I'm allowing to happen around me. And I need to start by saying, I need you in my life. I want you in my life. If you're here and you want to start a life with Jesus, okay, I want you right now with every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you simply to raise your hand and let me pray for you where you're standing. Your walk with God, I see you. I see you. Anybody else saying, I see you? Three, four, I see you. I see those. Some, I see you as well, sir. God bless you. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor, right where I'm sitting. Put your hand up. Put it right back down. Anybody else? Pray for me. Father, I pray that this message has touched the hearts of people. That they would say, I get it. I need God in my life. And I surrender my life to him for real. Jesus died on the cross to set me free. Give me a chance to start a new life. I pray in your name, Lord, that your spirit would bring healing and grace. I pray in your name, Lord, that you would bring strength, power. I pray in Jesus' name that this would be the moment that their lives would be changed forever. Also pray, Lord, for those who are on the fence. They've been struggling. And now they want to come back to God. They've been kind of backslidden. And you said, return, O backsliding child, and I will heal your backsliding. Their, their failures, you understood what happened before they failed. And so you have a way for them to be forgiven. Whether they be here or at home, God, I pray for healing in them. I ask you in Jesus' name to heal, bless, strengthen. I pray this is a moment in their life.
they will never forget. When they prayed this prayer and their life changed. In the name above all names. Everyone say amen. You know, when you hear the word of God and it inspires you, you have a chance to decide to change. You can hear a message and just hear it. Or you can hear a message and apply it to your life. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray what they've heard today is something that they can put in their shoes and allow it to impart blessing and guidance to their life. I thank you for the power of your word and how it can change lives. And we invite you, Lord God, to take this message and change the direction of their life in Jesus name. My name is Ricky Temple. I pray you were blessed by it today. I'll see you next time right here as we study the word together 